Welcome to the John Chapman Show, where we talk about the path of a wealthy millennial, uncovering the truth about building and protecting your nest egg. Join us on this journey as we hear the stories of millennials and mentors alike to help you plan, manage, and protect your wealth. John is an employee of WorthPoint LLC. All opinions expressed by John and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of WorthPoint. This podcast should not be relied upon for investment decisions and is for informational purposes only. Hey everyone, John Chapman. Today on the podcast, we interviewed Eric Sims, who is an executive coach and a consultant to corporate teams, helping them to experience the premier performance, both in business and in life. And Eric shares with us some intimate stories about his background and how life hasn't always been just, uh, you know, rainbows and cupcakes. And uh, he's been able to take that experience, though, and turn it around. He's learned and grown and developed both in his corporate career and now in his own coaching business. So uh, for any of those that might be experiencing a a place of stuck or don't have clarity on their vision or who they are, this is going to be an impactful episode. I encourage you to check out the whole thing. And without further ado, let's bring on my friend, Eric Sims. Hey, Eric Sims. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. So as a coach to executives and a consultant to corporate teams, I think for a lot of listeners out there, there's naturally a time in their corporate career where you can feel like you're getting stuck. And that's part of the evolution of business and life. And there's a lot of relevant topics I think you and I can share and you can share with some of our listeners uh, being an expert in that area. But before we dive into some of those helpful ideas that that you work on on a day-to-day business, I'd like for you to share, Eric, a little bit about where you grew up and what was money like in your house growing up? Yeah, so I I grew up, uh, I'm, I'm a native Texan, so I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. And so um, a lot of people referred to our home growing up as like the, the beaver cleaver family, you know, like dinner was at six, everybody came in and sat at dinner together. Mom always cooked breakfast every morning, dinner every night. And so yeah, yeah, on the surface, everything was good. We were a happy family, nothing crazy like that. We, uh, I was, I was always kind of the black sheep uh, of the family. And so I, at a very early age, d- developed some bad habits around uh, how to get attention, how to get things done, and how to get through situations as it would be. Some very bad self-defeating behaviors that didn't didn't bode well for me long term. Mm-hmm. But I, all in all, the home life was normal. Money is is an interesting topic when you bring it up around that life because uh, my mom was a school teacher, so she right. had a you know a, a moderate income level, sure. very steady and secure, yep. you know. Uh, and had been doing that for years. And my dad was in real estate. Yeah. And so um, my grandparents are in real estate. So I kind of grew up around the real estate business. And uh, my grandparents took one approach to it, which was very slow, steady, open up a real estate branch, do it the traditional way. Right. Boop, 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 no get rich quick scheme, you know, nothing like that. Sure. And they were able to accumulate wealth and able to do really well. I didn't get it, you know, at the time growing up, but it, it makes sense to me now. Uh, it wasn't attractive, right? As a kid, okay. it's like, this isn't cool. This yeah. isn't, yeah, this isn't <laughs> yeah, sexy. Like they, I want it, I want it tomorrow. I want it now. Yeah. They, they don't work. They, they work way too hard. And my dad's version was way more attractive, which was like, he was a, a real estate investor. He did some retail stuff too. And sure, that's more he, sexy. Yeah. Buy houses, do this and do that. And so, but there was also this roller coaster ride oh. of, of finances. Right. And so, uh, I can only speculate as to like what caused some of that. Some of it might have been his work ethic. Some of it might have just been market. I, I know, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, 
I could pick up on things that said like if he'd done certain things, mm. things would have been better. Yeah. But um, but money was a weird deal because sometimes we were upper middle class, and sometimes we had people and friends from the church or whatever bringing groceries over to the house. You yeah, know, that's interesting. Um, oh man, you saw a spectrum. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, if that's uh, that's different from just being in one economic class, let's say, for a long period of time and like riding that horizontally. Like you rode some waves. Yeah, we wrote some ways. We always stayed in the crowd that was like middle class, upper middle class or wealthy. Sure. So it was always a pain point to us because we didn't get to do some of the stuff at times that other people got to do. And other times we did, you know. Yeah. So it was one of those kind of weird situations. We went to private school. So that was really good. Got a good education early on. But at the same time, like I said, it was this roller coaster ride. And money was just a weird deal. Like it was, a, it, I always viewed it is a source of pain for us, right? Okay. It was not, I don't remember having a lot of memories of source of pleasure. Okay. It was always a source of frustration. As sure. we got older, I, re- I remember seeing my mom stress a lot about money because she ended up having to carry the weight of a good size home on this yeah. weirdly like moderate salary, right? Yeah. yeah. It forced her to work a lot and mm, put a lot of pressure intense. on her. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So uh, in, uh, you, you've shared before both on your website and in previous phone conversations, you're, you're fairly transparent and open about some of the, the, the rough parts of your uh, life as a young adult. And like, you know, I think for most people, uh, life isn't just like, uh, you know, rainbows and daisies. And so, and that's part of probably your expertise nowadays. But I'm curious if you're, if you're open to it, sharing a little bit about some of the times when life didn't always go so easy, uh, how that came about and some of the things that you learned from that experience. Yeah. So, you know, I think I mentioned a while ago, I, I, I was the black sheep, right? So I, I learned my method of doing things was to kind of cut corners, manipulate, use people, places and things. And so that as a young age, I got by with it because it was just kind of like, oh, he's a teenager. Oh, he's you know, a young adult. And then, you know, my dad died when I was 21 and it really kind of messed me up. And so, again, a lot of financial problems came out of that and were were current at that point in time. And then I was heavily using drugs and alcohol, which were not helping the situation at all. I was already, you know, mentally a mess. But then on top of that, I was like self-medicating heavily, Mm. which caused legal issues and financial issues and bad decisions with jobs and and career paths and and cutting short my education, you know, Mm. because I didn't. Yeah, I went to college. I went to, I enrolled in college. I don't know yeah, that I ever went go. to college. Yeah, I enrolled. Okay. Uh, <laughs> paid for some classes. <laughs> there's, there's a differences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you split hairs on the definition. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. Um, it, it ended up with me spending my 20s doing some entrepreneurial stuff, but I was never able to really maximize or capitalize on a lot of it because of all the addiction issues and, and, and drinking. I would do well and then crash, do well and crash, which was the model I was used to, right? I was used to this. MO of up, down, up, down. So it, se- it didn't seem odd to me, you know, although everybody else it did. So um, yeah, that was kind of the, the MO there. And then I learned a lot, you know, in that time, I just didn't use any of it because I was going through a lot of different career settings and entrepreneurial stuff and jobs in corporate yeah. America. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about though, at some point, you know, for many people, there's a turning point. So like, you know, you're, you're, you're in this situation where you're kind of hitting a roller coaster and uh, you're going through a really hard situation, losing your dad at 21. Like, I can't imagine what you would have been going through there, but like at some point you you've had, um, you know, a remarkable career in, you know, in this last season of your life. So things must've changed. So tell us a little bit about some of the factors that led into that. 
Yeah. So I, I finally hit a rock bottom in life, you know, where I lost all my money, lost all the jobs, lost all my friends, lost everything. You know, it's like, I always tell people I was mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and financially and physically bankrupt. You know, there was nothing left. So I had less than zero, right? I was actually in debt, owed the IRS, had, had nothing, right? Not and then you're talking to a guy that's got like, hey, I don't have the college degree now either. <laughs> mm. So it was like, what are you going to do? So I started from, I started over one working on myself. Okay. Uh, and leveraging a lot of personal uh, development stuff that I was picking up either through church, uh, also through some of the rooms of the recovery rooms I was going to about the alcohol stuff. There's a lot of principally based stuff that I could look at in business and say, hey, cool. if I use this over here, it helps create healthy business relationships. It helps create a good work environment, the corporate environment I'm in. Cool. Um, and then it helps build my financial platform, right? Like I'm not blowing money <laughs> all over the place. Totally. And so I started to crawl, you know, and sometimes walk my way out of that. It was painful because everything I knew was backwards, you know, mm. from before. So, mm. um, so you had to re like you had to relearn so many habits. It'd be like writing learning to write with your left hand or something as a young it, adult. I use that a lot as an example. I said, you know, it's it's I learned how to write. I learned how to write with the wrong hand. So I'm literally having to learn to write over again. And every time you go to pick up a pen, you naturally go over here. So was, for a long time, it was just this weird, nope. You know, I got to do it this way. Nope. Mm. I got to do it this way, which is a lot of energy, you know? Yeah. And so it started, I was, I, I took a really low paying job with a company as a contact center business. I was making, you know, 12 bucks an hour, you know, mm. at, at 33 years old Yeah. and said, you know, but this is what I got to do to build my life back. And I, I need, I wanted to learn a new, new industry and do things a new way. Mm, uh, and, and there was a principle I, I, I put in place, which was like, you know, keep things simple, yeah. take one step at a time. I wanted to try to stick and stay. I'd never really been able to stick and stay with things through rough times. And yeah. I wanted to see what that was like and to cool. actually master something, like get good at it. Mm. Um, so that was part of the thing there too, was like, all right, this environment, it, it, it's weird. It's a little bit wacky. I'd never been anything like it. But at the same time, it was forcing me to learn and grow, which is huge for me. Awesome. And it allowed me to kind of an environment where I could grow on a gradual scale and make mistakes and learn that they're not fatal, you know, and things like that. And so I stayed with that company for about 10 years. You oh, know? Good for you, man. That's yeah, so cool. And um, so I was well past anything I'd ever kept before. <laughs> That's a job. <laughs> and I went from $12 an hour to, you know, a, 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 what I'd call a, a director of the United States for that company. We had several locations and had been able to work in different aspects of the business and learn how the business worked. Mm. Um, and uh, so it gave me a much more holistic look at it. So I was very fortunate in that sense because not everybody gets that opportunity to move around vertically within or, or, or within yeah. a, a company, they get moved vertically, but not the different departments sometimes. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, even just being uh, 10 years at one company is so rare uh, in modern times. And so yeah. you get to learn, you know, you get, you get all the skills, but then you get all the personal capital and like, you know, you get the mentorship, I imagine at some point. Yeah. So you really get, to, I think there's some, probably some huge benefits uh, of like living inside that corporate life and understanding how, what, what the, procedures are like the principles are as you were talking about a little bit yep. before so so at some point you transitioned out of that like after you said almost 10 years so yeah it, to the point to transition out I had grown to a point where the ownership and I at that company it kind of got to a point where like where do you go next and yep. I didn't see a place to go they didn't see a place to go so I thought I was going to go out on my own even the owner of that company and I who still he and I still talk he was like You're, you I really see you like you need to do your own business at this point mm -hmm. in time like you really should and I was like all right but I was still scared as hell. Like yeah. I was just terrified. Okay. Um, unadmittingly, but I was yeah. terrified. 
Um, and so I ended up going to get another job in the BPO space for about 12 more months. And it was the most toxic environment I've ever been in. Oh. Um, and so that was helpful. Sorry, define BPO for people. Oh, sorry. It's, sorry, it's an outsourced call center, another call center. They, they yeah. call them BPOs. But um, so it was another call center company. It was, in a lot of ways, taught me some stuff I hadn't learned. But it was also showed me a lot of things that I didn't like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I, I left. And uh, But that was the push I needed because in that period of time, I wasn't ready. In that year, I evolved working on myself and came to some awareness around why I had not gone out before it had a lot to do with my dad. Yeah. It had a lot to do with fear of, of failure. Totally. And then it also had to do with finances. You know, I had to look at things and be smart. You know, I still have to, obviously. I'd say, when's the right time? Yeah. And uh, it wasn't the right time for me to do that. I needed to, to take the job at that point in time. And then, uh, so I said that lasted about 12 or 18 months. And then the time came where I couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't work in that environment. It was just not good. And I'm, I'm pretty good at adapting to environments, but this one was pretty, pretty awful. <laughs> All right. Um, and so I, I, uh, when I decided to go out on my own at that point in time and I had, I was at that point in time, I, I've always been gradually coaching and working on this consulting business over the last 12 years. It's okay. always been as a second job. Okay. It was my side hustle. It yeah. evolved from totally free, just trying to help people. You're right. To, now I'm starting to charge people because I, I'd honed my craft a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Um, and, it, and it's gradually gone to charging more and more and more and doing more and more and more. And so what made me push into that was I, I was co literally coaching other people mm. to how to get into their own business, how to get out of corporate America or if they wanted to, or yeah. how to progress their career. Yeah. And I felt like a hypocrite because I'm like, here I am sitting there and I turn around and got the phone with you and I'm walking back into a miserable situation that I know I shouldn't be in. <laughs> That's great. You know? And so yeah. I finally had to go like, Hey, you know, McFly, take some <laughs> of your own medicine here. There you go. And, and, uh, you know, take, take this next step. Well, I think it's valuable. You know, you, at, at this point then in your career, like you, you, you've really, you've seen a lot, you've experienced a lot and you, you just, it seems like you've got kind of, um, you know, a gift or an ability to, to coach people and to, um, you know, draw on your own experiences and then kind of help people guide. So tell us right now, like, what is the coaching and consulting business look like? And then I'm interested for us to, to transition into talking about some of the ways that you actually spend time helping people get through positions of being stuck and for any yeah. listeners out there that might feel as if they're now they're there they are there now or no coworkers are that way I want to offer yeah. some insight to them so like just what's a what's a week look like I'm sure there's no normal weeks but what's a week look no like this it's it's still crazy because I, I I launched the call I lost my own call center at the same time you know so Good I've one. got two businesses going like at the same time so it is crazy yeah um so my my client stuff has evolved as I've evolved I was telling somebody this earlier it's it's been kind of neat to see happen is that I, as I learn things, it's like the, you know, the universe or whatever you want to call it. Like I start getting phone calls from people that are in the kind of same space that I just got out of. Hmm. So over the last year or so, I've predominantly started working with more executives, more people who are either trying to climb that corporate ladder or they are looking to start a side hustle or uh, migrate from corporate USA into some type of self-employment or, or startup. Yeah, gotcha. And so there's a lot of stuff that goes into play there because a lot of people, I'll give you an example. I, I was at a, a, a job fair uh, two days ago at, okay. here in Tampa okay. and I had volunteered some time to help with resumes. So I just went for a volunteer to look at resumes and kind of talk to people and coach them up on maybe what they could do on interviews and things like that. That's awesome. Uh, I think I saw 145 people at the time I was there. Whoa. Not one of them, not one person knew what they wanted to do. 
they just knew what they, they, they knew that they weren't happy with where they were and they wanted to be somewhere different. And I think that's a common theme that I'm seeing with the coaching environment today, whether that people are in a job or not in a job. It's like, I don't like this, but I don't know what I want to do and what I'm capable of doing and how to go do it. Oh man, we got to pause on that. So, I mean, unpack this a little bit more because if that's so common that you saw over a hundred people, almost 150 people, and yet uh, it, you know, there were few to little to no people who had that on there. What are some of the barriers for so many of us, just like as humans, to be able to know what we want? Yeah, I think that's that's it. No, a lot of people don't take the time okay. to get really clear on who they are and what they want. A lot of us we've processed information over the years and what we think we want or who we think we are is a process of environmental influences, parental influences, past work influences, mm -hmm. uh, uh, what we see on TV or online influences. And we allow that to dictate a lot, those voices to determine a lot in our decision-making. And it's, it goes back to like, if I talk to somebody, I said, what, what do you want to do? Well, I had one kid tell me the other day, I want to write. And he followed it immediately. This guy was the most, Literally, I thought he was going to cry at the table. He was so defeated in the process ah. that he was like, I just want to write and create. And I said, okay. And he goes, but that's always the kicker. You'll hear a but, but yeah. uh, I can't make any money doing that, but there's no jobs for that. But, you know, and then there's this laundry list of reasons that someone's told them along the way this, of all the reasons that they can't do it. And so the big thing I, I try to get across to people early on is, is, understand in life when you've got a vision for something, right? And you feel like there's something you are, are supposed to do or you want to do. When you tell other people that it's fine, but understand they're not going to respond exactly the same way you feel about it because it's mm -hmm. not their vision. It's your yeah. vision. If yeah. it was their vision, yeah. they'd be able to see it and they'd be going to do it. Yeah. So, you know, not be careful who you share it with. I've heard people say that. I just understand they're only going to tell you what they would do if they were you and they're not you. That's so, so good. That's so true. I think I, yeah, I'm, I want to, I just want to emphasize that point. <laughs> not you. You're hearing, you've got one voice compared to 10, 20, 30 other voice. If you're sharing this vision, you've yep. got a really skewed ratio of uh, perspective of maybe some no's to a yes. And so that gets cloudy. Yeah, it does. And if you don't know who you are, hmm. if you don't know, really, really, really know who you are, then you'll be influenced by that. You know, I, I go back my, I, my all my clients. I said, listen, if you don't know who you are, someone else will determine that for you. Dang. Yeah. All day long. And so yeah. that's what the key problem is with a lot of these people is they back at, when they were younger and some of it's environmental and some of it's financial, right? If I come from certain financial groups and, and age groups or think or, or cultural groups, there might be limitations. I might not have as, as many resources as the next guy. Could. I mean, it's America. Anybody can, rise up. But let's be honest, it's harder for some people than it is others, right? Yeah, they, totally. they just, their starting lines are not the same. True. And so it's, it's important to, for people at some point in time, and I wish the schools taught this, right? Like spend time and really developing that identity and creating a culture where, you know, hey, yes, that's what you're going to do. Okay. Maybe you can't do it today that way, but you can start working on it. Like, I, like I've told people, like maybe you start doing it for free right now to, to hone your craft and get your name out there. Maybe mm. you do it for half price and you do it half time. So you're earning your money over here to pay your bills. So you're not going broke yeah. and you're still able to do what you love to do. Because for me with the coaching thing, I did it for free. And I would, if I wasn't able to get paid for it, I'd still do it 
because I, I like doing it. That's why I go out, went out to that thing the other day and just talked to people all day. And my wife was like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I'm going to go out there and talk to people. I have a fun, I had more fun doing that day, making zero money than yeah, I had man. all week. Wow, you know, man, big heart. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, I think you bring up a good point is like, uh, it's it just helping people try to put words to the fact, like if this is a vision that th- it's something that you got to know who you are and take time to reflect on that. And sometimes that, that opens up a, a box inside of us that uh, we don't want to go, or maybe it's hard to yeah. get into. And so like, but like actually sitting down to take through that and live in step into it is, is, uh, that's heavy, but it's, it's important. So I guess, again, still thinking about maybe some other uh, examples or case studies, or if you've worked with uh, executives, like how do you help them uh, uncrack that so that they can start to know who they are and know what some of their purpose is and then like point them in the direction of whatever their vision is? Yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit different with, with each person. And you have to, I have to, that's why I normally do an intake and kind of get to know people a little bit. And it, it's definitely different with how they come to me. Okay. Um, I have some clients that come to me and they're like, hey, I just want to get better it's a performance-based thing. I'm climbing the corporate ladder. Things are good, right? They're not bad. They're good. They're just trying to take it to the next step. So there's already some awareness there. I don't know that most of them aren't aware of that awareness. It's not a conscious awareness. Like they've just grown up with more awareness. So for me, it's taking people through exercise and asking questions to make sure they're fully aware. For other people who aren't, it's, it's a much more of a deep dive because there's resistance. Mm-hmm. So I have to be strategic with some of the programming I do. And I have a couple of curriculums I've written that just a lot of it's chiseling away at this stuff, asking questions, having people answer questions. There has to be a willingness on their part to do some work. It's a great point. Um, I can't, I can't wave a magic wand, you know, and I have, I've had clients that, you know, they already know it all when they come. I don't know why they came because they already know everything. We call, I think my, me and my buddies, we call them ask holes. Uh, they they want to ask, ask, they're an ask hole. They they ask for your opinion. They ask for your advice and they have no intention of doing anything you ask them to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's an ask hole. Yeah. You're uh, an ask hole. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, you got those and, and and, Hey, they're just not ready. Right. And I've turned people down or just told them you need to come back later or I've worked with them for a time. But I think the big key is I always start in this place called, and if you can show me real quick, then we're going to progress past it. Right. But who are you? What are you about? Who are you and what do you want? And if you can articulate that very clearly, then we're going to keep moving. You know, if you're not, then we're going to dive into that. And I've got to do a little work with them to help them understand why that's so important because then it it becomes apparent to them. Because if you take the, take the line down and say, what do you want to do? I don't know. Or if they say they know, why do you want to do that? Right. Right. Then it turns back into why I don't know. Right. Well, if you don't know, where's it coming from? You know, because your mommy told it's coming you. from another voice. It's coming oh, yeah. from a parent, or it's coming from an outside influence. Yeah, you're right. So that opens the door to go back and say, okay, maybe like I don't know. You know, and then I do some exercise. Like, what do you enjoy? I, I try to go about things a little bit differently. Okay, yeah, um, I and I can see that from your blog too. You've had got some crazy questions, and like I think oh, you've that was yeah, approach. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun one I wrote this week. I don't know yeah. if I could say the the uh, step one on on there, but the crazy okay. question on there is that okay for me to say it? Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So that one I came with was like, you know, what's your favorite shit burger to eat? Right. <laughs> and um, it sounds, it was more of that's just attention getting because it gets people's attention. Like, what's he mean by that? But it's another way to look at things is there's things in life that we will do for free or tolerate or go through no matter what, because we enjoy them so much. Hmm. Uh, it's just another way to find out what those things are. And if you can look at things kind of like a diamond, if you take some things and twist it and look through it through different perspectives, eventually it gets really clear to people. And they say, like, I, normally when I'm done, 
one of my favorite things to do if I'm doing something in person is I slide the paperwork across and we've done awesome. What do you see? Mm. And like the last guy I did that with, I was at a coffee shop not too long ago. He's a real estate broker. Um, and he's like, well, I, I don't like this about the industry. I love this and I want to do that and not sure about this. And I just slid the paper across. I said, what do you see? And he said, I need to teach people about real estate. I said, there you go. He's like, dude, how did you do that? You know, and I'm like, I didn't do that. You did that. I just showed it to you. That's you cool. know, so that's that's my job is to just help them see what's yeah. already there, you know, yeah. because there's a lot in the way. And yeah. um, so that's that's kind of how I go about it. That's cool. So yeah, what what are the some of the action steps that people can be thinking about? Some of this makes me think about journaling or like the necessity of having a third party to like stop and engage because there's only maybe so much we can do like to our own self to, uh, you know, to draw this out of ourselves. So like, yeah. you know, how else can someone who's listening uh, push pause and uh, really reflect or, you know, draw this out of themselves and like what's an expect like realistic expectation is not going to have an overnight. So at what time frame do you think somebody should be thinking about working through feeling stuck and, and clarifying their vision? So I think the best time is always now. And the reason for that is, is people procrastinate. We want to, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with reasons why we shouldn't. It might not be that you finish it right now, but you can always start it right now. And so I think, you know, taking that as a priority, as priority one uh, is huge because you like I look at the individual say you are the incorporation of yourself. Hmm. You're the business that's going to go everywhere you go, no matter where you go, how many jobs you have, how many businesses you start, companies you start or fail. It's you Inc. Right, and you're the you're the accumulation of every experience, thought, and interaction that takes place for that company. You get the benefit of carrying that on with you, like like a database. Hmm. And so, understanding early on, it's the biggest investment and best investment you can make in your quote company right, is to understand who you are and how you work. So doing that initially, some of the things you can do, you're right, journaling, which a lot of guys hear and they go, oh, you know, because they, they hear, dear diary, you know, <laughs> yeah, dear that's diary. what they hear. Dear yeah. diary, today, Timmy was mean to me. And, you know, that made me sad. And uh, <laughs> that's not, I mean, if you want to write that down, that's fine. I'm not making fun of anybody. But that's what a lot of like macho guys try to sure. hear. And the reality is, is, is that, you know, it's, when you put stuff down on paper, it crystallizes, right? And you, and you can look at it and go, wow, that's crazy. Or wow, that's great. Or what was I thinking? And I take people through steps all the time with self-talk, right? There's a three-step process, which is you look at your thoughts throughout the day and try to journal as much as you can. And when you look at something or you're feeling frustrated or you're feeling stuck, you ask yourself, what conclusion am I coming to, right? In this about this situation, person, place, or thing, what conclusion am I coming to? What story Am I telling myself about that conclusion? And then when you get there, then it is, what do I know to actually be true awesome. out of this? Awesome. And that is a very, normally a very small chunk of this enormous conversation. Oh. And that's, that takes a lot of practice yeah. because what you realize is there's so much that, that goes on up here. That's really my brain's working of trying to explain the unknown. Totally. That's so good. The unknown. Yeah, well, so that, that really stands out to me because if you're forcing someone to journal those three things first, like what's the conclusion that you thought the domino in your head was? Like where where do you think right. the conclusion is right now? But right. then like take a step back. What's the story that got you to that point? But then of that story, what if it is really true, what's really true? versus versus false? Yeah. Like, it's so, it's so, that's so crazy. And it's it's simple for people too. And they can, they can pop it down and do it. And then you can look at their truth. And then, I mean, even when you get really good at it, you can really whittle it down. There's very little we actually know. 
right? Yeah. And so <laughs> be getting okay with that is it takes practice because the human being has like five or six core strong needs. Tony Robbins teaches this all day long. And I, I sure. teach it too. I think it's huge. And one of those is a sense of security or certainty. Totally. And so some people are hyper, hyper, hyper in need of that. And so they will go to great lengths to create certainty. The problem is most of the time it just creates more uncertainty. Hmm, interesting. And so it funnels their their cycle, right? It yeah. becomes a self-defeating cycle. So yeah. being able to break things down and understand what's real and what's not real, what's authentic and what's not authentic, and being able to be okay with all this other stuff and saying like, this is the area of potentiality. It's not the area of danger. Mm. It's the area of potentiality. Yeah. So get excited about potentiality because you're just looking at it through the wrong lens. Yeah, it's so helpful. I think, I mean, there's uh, obviously when you say that there's some light bulbs that go off and it makes an intuitive sense, but I'm not thinking about it because I'm thinking oftentimes I'm operating out of a mode of maybe fear, or at least, you know, some people could be, and that's my method of operation. I've had to like try to teach myself and actually uh, had some mentors that try to guide me out of that. But yep. then you're right, like there's some opportunities out there and there's a much bigger thing if I'm, if you're thinking about it differently. There's yep. one thing I want to come back on just because I, I want to emphasize that again in the financial, I'm going to relate this to my world of financial planning. Uh, but that is this idea that, um, you know, focusing on yourself doesn't have to be this idea of being selfish. Like sometimes we can feel like I don't want to focus on myself. I'm going to focus on my family, especially you as a fellow dad. Like, yeah. you know, for me of three kids, like I'm, I'm trying, I'm constantly thinking like, I don't want to focus on myself because that's selfish. But when it comes back to, from a financial planning standpoint, you are your biggest asset. And when I say asset, I mean an income producing asset. Yes. If I think about real estate, just to use this as a little bit of an analogy, it'd be like owning an apartment building. And if you've got 10 units in there, if you know that you can either create an extra two units, so now you've got two units that's producing more income, or maybe you can improve the, the, the aesthetics of those buildings and get a higher rent for those same mm -hmm. things, that's improving the asset by getting a higher income. And in the same way, for many of us that are corporate guys, or have lived through a corporate thing, the way that you can improve the dollar amount of income in your life is by working on yourself in yeah. all of these aspects. Like maybe, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's getting better at your craft, but it's also like getting better about what, what's your vision, like who, yeah. who are you called to be, you know, either in the corporation or maybe even at life outside of that. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, 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 like, I like to state it and love what you just said because you're 100% spot on. Mm -hmm. It's the greatest value add in any situation that you are in is you. And so if you can raise your own personal value, all you're doing is raising the value of anything you interact with or touch. That's awesome. Whether that's your kids, whether that's your, your job, whether that's a, a business or your relationship with your wife. So why wouldn't that be the, the sole focus? We've been conditioned to think that's selfish. It's not selfish because you've got to take a bigger look at it. Like if I'm better and I'm a better dad, I create better kids. I create kids create better. Like my business is better. It hires more people. It does more things right? Like it, I create more value in return. Yeah. Money comes in, but I'm not chasing the money. I'm increasing no. value wherever yeah. I go. Yeah. And I think that's a switch for people too, is how do I create value? Gary Veets talks about this right and left, right? And I agree with him on some things and not on others, but this <laughs> sure. one hundred percent on with is, yeah. is if you can creating value is the ticket and it's so much more fun to create value, mm. right? Like it's, it feels good to know that like I created, I'm significant. I've contributed, I've caused growth, right? Yeah. Those are big things. That's so cool. Oh man, this is, this is epic. So I'm curious, um, 
you know, as we're trying to think about wrapping up, like if there are resources, books, or, you know, ac activities, actions that pe we can kind of have people for, for a call to action. So let me start with uh, books or resources. So either for your own personal journey or for your uh, coaching executive clients, what resources can someone get their hands on to start some of this work? Yeah, I mean, so externally, like I, I've, I'm a, I've been a, like a reader of a lot of different stuff, depending on what's going on. I just try to search and find stuff that feels right to me. It's kind of weird, but it's, I look for I, where am I and what I need. I've read everything from, like I said, Gary V books to Dave Ramsey to other people we've never heard of, John Maxwell, and all over the map, right? Cool. Some religious, some not religious, some mystic and kind of weird at times. And so, you know, so I think it's about one, knowing where you are right now and what you are looking for, like, what are you craving? Right. But for me, I think a lot of it was, uh, early on, it depends on where you are in your journey. Like for yeah. me early on, it was a lot of principally fact-based stuff, right? Okay. Almost like textbook type cool. stuff. So, um, like I said, D Dave Ramsey, I don't agree with everything he says now, but Great. years ago he was exactly what I needed. Great point. Because I needed to, I needed that type of financial advice, right? Yeah, and the structure of his like core programs. Correct. So yeah. he was. I always recommend him, depending on where you're at, because he's solid in in uh, in that sense on a financial side. Um, on a on a mindset side, I love Tony Robbins. You know, he's he's kind of the he, he didn't like to say he's a guru, but he is. Totally. Um, um, I, I like that side because he blends a lot of business and um, mental and spiritual and psychological stuff together. Cause I think it's, we're blended, mm. you know, it's not like I have my finances over here and this is like, I'm one thing I'm a, on this hodgepodge of stuff too. So I think he's great. Anything by him. I, I've read a lot. There's another psychotherapist named, Oh, I'm going to forget his name right now. Yeah. Dang it. I just finished his book. Can I look it up real quick? I'll pull it up in two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't want to miss it, but he's, he's great. And, um, I think, you know, depending if you're religious or not, you know, some people like a lot of religious texts or spiritual texts are good because they're all principally based. Totally. Uh, two, okay. Two more. Yes. Mel Swartz is really hmm. great. Hmm, uh, he's a, he's a psycho, psychotherapist uh, out of, I think, Connecticut or something like that. And I like Kyle Cease a lot. I haven't heard of him. Um, he's, he, he was a former comedian okay. who's turned into, he transitioned his career into self-help. Um, he's a little on the squishy side, like he's a little touchy feely for some people, but he's got some great stuff, you know? And so I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, you don't have to agree with everything everybody says, That's go it. in and re read, educate yourself and pull those things out that are meaningful and impactful yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I, in the recovery world, I, I like Russell Brand. He cracks me up. Like he's <laughs> so all over the map, but he's also like on some kind of weird Zen trip right now where he's like, so on point with stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, Joe Rogan's amazing. Cause he's always got people on his podcast. Good point. Um, so, cool. you know, those are kind of, of tons, tons of resources. Yeah. And, right. Well, Eric, man, I love chatting and uh, there's a punch that I took out of this. So I appreciate you sharing your time today. If people did want to reach out or get in contact with you, what's the easiest way to do that? Uh, easiest way is to go to my website, which is I am Eric Sims.com. Sims is with one M not two. So uh, <laughs> I am Eric Sims.com. You can cool. find me on Facebook under uh, Sims coaching and consulting. Uh, on LinkedIn under Sims Coaching and Consulting. So those are the easiest ways to get in touch with me. Or you can email me directly at coachsims4, the number four, Y-O-U at Gmail. Awesome. I love it. Well, Eric, I'll put that information in the show notes, dude, for the episode. So thanks for being here today. Appreciate all your expertise. Hope you have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to The John Chapman Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We encourage your questions, comments, and feedback. 
For additional information, check out thejohnchapmanshow.com or look for John on LinkedIn and Twitter. See you next week.